Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, hello, and welcome to Food Network Obsessed. This is a podcast where we dish on all things food with your favorite chefs, food influencers, and Food Network stars. I'm your host, Jamie Sire, and today we have an award-winning chef out of Hawaii sharing her love for Asian-inspired dishes and what it was like going head-to-head with Alex Guarnaschelli. She's a chef, restaurateur, cookbook author, and a James Beard 2023 nominee. It's Leanne Wong. Leanne, welcome to the podcast. I know you've been spending a lot of time in Japan lately due to my light Instagram stalking of you. Can you share a little bit more about your latest project? I finally, nine years later, opened my restaurant, Coco Hood Cafe in Tokyo. What do you mean nine years later? Because obviously you have a very popular spot there in Honolulu by the same name. Was Tokyo always in the plans? Tokyo was always the goal, the long-term goal since day one. And I'm not from Hawaii. I'm from New York. And so when I moved to Hawaii at the end of 2013, I partnered with Kevin Hanning and we opened up Cocoa Cafe and he wanted a, a breakfast place. I was like, all right, well, let me do like, let me take a stab at this brunch thing. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the goal, just because there's such heavy Japanese tourism in Hawaii, was to eventually get our cafe to Japan. And I had been traveling to Japan for the past, since like, I think 2009. And it was definitely one of the places that I fell in love with. I had worked there for a short time. And it was, I always, I'm always looking for excuse to go back, you know, <laughs> The culture is so incredible. And yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite places to travel. What What is it about Japan that has you so enamored? I mean, everything. There's just just the, the people, the culture, the food, the, the historical culture and art. And just, I think, 
there's a lot about, you know, Japanese sort of lifestyle or philosophy that I find appealing, especially in, you know, moving, leaving the mainland, coming to Hawaii, finding a little bit more like calm. I keep going further east or west, whichever <laughs> way you call it, but it, it's just a beautiful place. And I love, I love the Japanese people. And I'm so excited that we're finally not just in Tokyo, but we're in Tokyo Station. Yeah. How is it similar and how is it different from the the popular original spot in Honolulu? It is. Well, we are, I mean, the, the most glaring difference is the business hours. And we are in Shinmaranuchi building, which is a very popular retail and office building right next to Tokyo Station. And the hours are 11 to 11. So uh-huh. my spot in Honolulu's brunch, we do, you know, 8 a.m. to 2, 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. every day. And so starting at 11 a.m., so having like a fast, hard lunch service because we're in an office building and then having dinner, you know, we're on basically the way that, you know, J- Japan, especially Tokyo is laid out is that, you know, we're on an office building we're on the seventh floor. And so we're not ground level. You have to get in the elevator to find us. And we're on the floor with, you know, half a dozen plus other restaurants. Okay. So all the buildings in Japan will have like, you know, a basement floor with restaurants or a food hall. And then they'll have another two to three floors upstairs, you know, that have restaurants. That's just all food. So I think it's it's the reality of like, you know, hey, we are we've opened our restaurant. It is a unique concept. However, we opened it in a city with 80,000 plus restaurants. Wow. So you have to, you still have to invest in marketing and promotion and PR and and all that. So, well, congratulations. That's super exciting. As you mentioned, you spent so much of your life in New York. What, what made you want to move to Hawaii in the first place? A boy. (laughs) (laughs) The Uh, tale as old as time. (laughs) But I think it was just at the time I was doing a lot of food television. So I was, I had been doing unique eats for six seasons and I was just not, I didn't have like a day-to-day job. I was just basically living out of a suitcase doing food television, whether it was behind the scenes or in front of the camera. And I think that just wore on me after a little while. And, you know, I'd come back to New York and all my friends would be busy because I'd been gone for two months. And it's just like, you know, I, I'm, I think it got to the point where, you know, I saw some of my friends starting to settle down and get married and have kids and all that. And I was like, well, I need to go get a life for myself. <laughs> and I thankfully have, I mean, I have family in Oahu and I think that, I, I mean, I can, it's interesting. I can trace my path here and how I got here. And it, Interestingly enough, through Japan as well. I basically came out to Hawaii when I was on my second, my first trip was with the second season of Top Chef when we shot the finale out here. And I reconnected with my dad's side of the family. I hadn't seen them since I was a kid. And it's just, you know, the call of the aloha. That's what I say. I'm like, it got, it got me. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to stay. I'm going to get a job. I'm gonna stay. Yeah. So I ended up opening Coco Head Cafe and then it's just been, you know, it's been, we're a small restaurant. So it's not this like big corporate flashy money restaurant. 
it doesn't have multi-million dollars behind it. It's, it was literally, I took over a really broke down piece of real estate and we made it into like a, a, a really great, like not only community restaurant, but also a great visitor destination. So I'm very lucky to have had, I think both the staff and as well as like the community support from from locals on Oahu and the Outer Islands. So it's just, I'm very, very proud that nine years later, our doors are open. We move spaces down to a larger space down the block. And it feels like we're all grown up now. And now <laughs> we're in Tokyo and we're going to go into Osaka next summer. So, Wow, that's so exciting. And, and, and very cool too that, like you said, not only is it a a destination for visitors, but it's it's really become kind of a, a community, you know, favorite as well. We're very lucky. So yeah. Well, speaking of Hawaii, your episode of Alex versus America Hawaii airs on Sunday. What was it like to represent the state that you've come to call home now? I mean, that was so much fun. I am friendly with both the other chefs who are on the show, John Matsubara and Ipi Iona. And it was just great to be able to cook with them, you know, and cook against Alex. Like I've known Alex for 20 years and I have so much respect for her and so happy for all her success. And it was fun just to like go there and share a little bit of Hawaiian culture with, with Alex and yeah, cook with my friends. That was, I had a great time. What what are like the flavors and, and maybe techniques that are unique to Hawaii that you got to demonstrate and kind of put on that stage during this episode? Well, she had some really fun ingredients. She had some of the Hawaiian canoe crops. So things like taro root and ulu and sweet potato. And then she had some other Hawaiian ingredients available for us. It was fun for us to be able to come in and confidently utilize those items in our recipes, even though Alex was a little bit stumped. <laughs> it was really, I mean, it's, I think that's the fun part of cooking is just being a, as a chef, you know, even if you're not familiar with something, being able to figure it out and use your intuition. And that's what Alex is so good at that. So yeah, she did great. <laughs> as you mentioned, you've, you've known her for a long time. So what, what was top of your mind going into a competition against Alex? She's an iron chef. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) it's not, you know, I'm like, I think my thing was like, I was like, well, it's the state of Hawaii. I don't have to win, but one of us has to win. (laughs) (laughs) So it was, you know, again, I think the older I get and the more of these competition things that I do, I'm, I'm there for fun. You know, it's definitely more. It's definitely more like I want to hang out with my friends and cook, smiley <laughs> time on TV. Just because, <laughs> you know, I think that that hardcore, like, yeah, I'm going to win it all. It's, it's, I've been through this for so, you know, doing competition reality cooking things for like 20 years is a long time. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'd say whenever I do these things, whether it's Alex or Tournament of Champions, like they're definitely more fun and, more like a self-discovery kind of thing than anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, where am, I, where am I at right now? How do I handle <laughs> pressure? Do I handle pressure better or worse? <laughs> I love hearing that because I feel like we've, we've you know, obviously spoken to a lot of chefs that have competed on on both formats and, and they say the same thing. You know, it's just, 
you know, it's obviously there's the competition aspect. And, and if you are a competitive person, sure, you want to win. But at the end of the day, you know, it's it's fun and 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 inspiring and you get to cook with your friends. So I, I'm We're excited. We're making TV. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You got to be entertaining, right? <laughs> yeah. What does make Alex such a force to be reckoned with, especially in that, you know, competition cooking arena? She, I mean, she's just got years of that experience underneath her belt, whether it's actually, you know, competing or whether she's behind the judges table. She also gets to, you know, every day she's on chop, she's watching other chefs try out new things, Mm. you know, Uh, other chefs like, you know, their tricks and they're sort of like what they're doing in the minute. And so I think that she having that exposure makes her a really great competitor. And besides the fact, I mean, she's like Alex is a New York legend in her own right. Mm -hmm. You know, she had years of like award-winning restaurant experience under her belt when she sort of like she, I guess she still, she still has restaurants. Yeah, butter. <laughs> she's just like the judge. She's just like, I only need one. Yeah, she's got yeah. the one. That's all she needs. I mean, I think it's so interesting when you talk about, you know, these, you know, food competition, right? Because you could be an excellent chef and not necessarily be good at competing. Or TV. Yeah, or TV. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Or TV. What do you think separates, you know, the people that are really good at competition cooking from, you know, just a, an everyday chef type? I mean, with the competition cooking and, you know, I can say this because I battled against Jet Tila, who mm-hmm. is like a king of competition cooking, is that, yeah, it's a real like cage match instinct that like once... <laughs> You're, and it's not necessarily you against another chef. It's always just you against some sort of clock that's counting yeah. down, right? And so you see, you know, to be able to battle against somebody like Jet, who is also just incredible, like he knows his way around that kitchen, the TOC kitchen. He knows shortcuts for big flavor in a short amount of time. And those were things that I think I struggled with as that being my first time in the kitchen for the most part, Mm -hmm. my second time ever cooking in the kitchen. And so it's, I think, you know, any competition chef, whether it's Alex doing an entire season of Alex versus America, she's basically conditioning herself to like be able to do stuff within a against a clock, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's a, a 20 minute, 30, 40 minute time limit. Every day that she competes, she's training, you know, yeah. Every, yeah, that's true. and that's kind of the same with like TOC. It's like, none of us have really been in the kitchen that often. And if you add it up, it's like, yeah, okay. Jet's been in there maybe two dozen times, yeah. you know, so it's, <laughs> it's still not a lot, you know? So it, I think, you know, every competition is experience and you always, you know, I'm still hilarious where in the sense that when I get done with a competition, I'm like, oh yeah, hindsight's 2020. Like it's a spinach challenge. Why did I take the cauliflower? What was <laughs> I think, you know, so it, it's stuff like that where you're just like, oh yeah, coulda, shoulda, woulda. But yeah, I, I'm, I guess it's like, as I compete more, I'll, I'll learn to, to not second guess myself as much. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of competitions, you battled twice on TOC this season, just barely losing out to one of our friends, Jet Tila. What was the entire experience like for you? 
it's so funny because I just, I literally just got back from, I, I came back from Japan last Tuesday and then I flew out Sunday to do an episode of Guy's Ranch. Mm, fun. And that was like, it was literally like, I'm like, that's it. This is all we have to do. Like, <laughs> this is so not traumatic. I don't have to run for my pots and pans. Like, it, was, <laughs> it was crazy for me to be on a set and not have to run to grab my stuff. Right. <laughs> So, so yeah, that was hilarious. But yeah, with TOC, I think the intensity's there, that pressure's there because it's like every match is like sudden death. It's like one on one, whoever makes the better dish gets to stay. You know, <laughs> that's so, it. yeah, that's that's pretty much it. You know, you guys have the same conditions. You're not really, again, I don't feel like you're cooking against that other person as much as you're cooking against the wheel and the clock, you know, it's, and I mean, it's a, what's nice about shows like Alex vs. America and, and tournament of champions is the blind judging. Mm -hmm. The blind judging makes it fair, you know, as fair as it can be. And, you know, I, I love that, you know, cause at the end of the day, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm a great chef. I maybe that dish was not as successful as I wanted it to be in this competition, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's the fun of doing these things is that, you know, when we're in our restaurant kitchens, of course, we've got time, we've got prep cooks, we've got, you know, we can do replates if we want to, and we don't have shaky hands for the most part. <laughs> and I just think being in being, you know, under the gun is a completely different situation. And like, you don't know how you're going to react. And I remember shoots. I remember a long time ago, I was doing some cooking show competition for food network. And like, my, I had the shakes and like, <laughs> I, I never get the shakes. And I was like, why am I shaking? This is crazy. Oh. <laughs> like, yeah. How did your son react when he found out you lost? He had a total, well, it's so funny because I don't have food network in Hawaii, right? I don't, I only have streaming. So mm -hmm. we had to go watch it at a bar on the TOC <laughs> debut. We had to go watch it at a bar in Lahaina. And except it was like in question at what time it was coming on. So I was like having this big watch party. And then I think we thought it was coming on at five when really it aired at four. So my kid got to watch me in a very loud, crowded bar on TV. And he was kind of like oh there's mom what are you doing mom are you cooking you know and it didn't really register with him what was happening and then so that was not my battle against malarkey and then he's like sitting next to me on the couch one day and i'm watching like a food network recap my battle against jet on twitter and he watches a thing and he watches jet win and he's just like his face like crumbles and he breaks into a total like meltdown. Like, What's the matter? He goes, You just lost. I'm like, no, it's totally okay. I did I was like, that's mommy's friend. He's a great chef. And like yeah. So we're, you know, teaching him sportsmanship through like, you know, both Nintendo and like baseball and, and like watching mom cook on TV. <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw that tweet and I know you said you, you said that he, he can't wait to meet Uncle Jet and give him a high five. Yeah. Ha has that happened yet? No, not yet, but it's, it's so funny because my, my child is like, he wants to be, he's like, I'm your sous chef. He goes, I'm part Chinese and part chef. I'm like, yes, you are. <laughs> uh yeah he's he's great and yeah i hope he gets to meet all my friends someday yeah 
<laughs> we, he is interested in the kitchen and cooking and, and what mom's doing. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. He likes to help make pancakes in the morning. He'll crack oh. the eggs, the scrambled eggs. We made made rainbow sprinkle croissants this morning. Oh, yeah, well, that's a total fun. meltdown because the whipped cream canister was empty. And I said, hey, 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 wait, wait, wait. And then watched him make real whipped cream. And, oh. like, and he was like so impressed. What, like, he so like, now we can have whipped cream whenever. Whatever. As as you have this stuff. Yeah. I was did, like, yep. Did he like the real stuff better than the can? He did. He All did. right. Good boy. <laughs> yeah. Coming up next, Leanne describes her cooking style and her favorite flavors and ingredients found in Hawaii. So stick around. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you descri- describe your, your cooking style and the, and the flavors you lean on most, whether it's in the competition arena or at your restaurants? You know, I think so. It's interesting because my style has evolved over time. And I think that, you know, there was a time I was, I was raised in fine dining and there was a time that it was like, I'm like really small portions of food don't do anything for me. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I don't want my my guests at my restaurant. And I think because it's like Cocoa Head is a brunch restaurant. And then my restaurant in Maui, Papa Ina, we're, we're 
sort of pigeonholed into brunch right now because of our lack of labor. And, you know, I don't want anybody to leave hungry. That's basically it. I judge some, <laughs> like now that I'm older, I totally judge a restaurant by like, did I need to go get a piece, piece of pizza afterwards? You know, <laughs> you know, and I, I totally get the idea of like creating a dining experience where it's like, where you're having a couple bites and that's it. And then it's gone and you got to think about that dish and you want more. But like, for the most part, that's not the guest that I'm serving here in Maui. So I've had to tailor, I think, some of my creative ideas to like who the audience actually is, where the restaurant is, you know? And so we're always trying to reinvent ourselves. I think that my food right now, I can say, is it's hyper-local. So Hawaii is a state that imports over 95% of its food supply. Wow. Including most of its produce and protein, right? So a majority of restaurants are sourcing commercial commodity products just because it's cheaper and easier, but it's also, you know, been on a slow boat for a month. So in Maui, I'm very fortunate. I live up country on Haleakala. So I actually live on the volcano. And so I'm up near all the farmers markets. And I go to the markets twice a week and like fill my car and bring it all to work. And I believe that, you know, there is, you can feed people better food and you can do it showcasing, you know, a real taste of Hawaii. I think there's a very like sort of cliche version of what people expect when they go to Hawaii and and what they expect from like poopoos and food versus actually feeding them food that was grown here, mm-hmm. which could encompass any style of cuisine or any flavor profile, but it's about actually serving you food that was like grown here by humans who live and work in the community, you know? And so keeping that commerce here in state has always been important to me. But I think in Maui, where I have the ability to really, we have, I'd say about 99% of my produce is local. You know, with my rancher, I have, I'm getting my cows by like the half and whole cow. Mm. And sometimes you have to explain to somebody, we're out of hamburgers, you know, and they're like, what do you mean you're out of burgers, you know? And you're just like, well, we have to actually, we're waiting for the cow. And yeah, like literally, they kind of look at me and I'm like, it's, I, and I'm like, it's literally the freshest burger you're going to get in Maui. And, and, and that means something because even, even certain companies have to take the cattle here, ship it to California to be slaughtered. And then it gets, comes back on the slow boat. And I'm working with a rancher that slaughters right here on Island. And wow. so we're getting our beef you know, again, by the whole and half cow. And it, it forces, I think, my my culinary team to be creative and figure out how to use whole parts of the animals. So we have fun. <laughs> like, you're gonna, we're like, you're going to love this beef tongue. It's going to be delicious. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to be patient. <laughs> yeah. Has that always been like a priority for you? Or was that something that that kind of changed when when you did move to Hawaii? Yeah. I mean, it's it's, you know, when... New York was amazing because it's like I grew up in Aquavit and I grew up, you know, it's like my next restaurant was working with Jean George. So we would like get all these beautiful, super expensive ingredients from all over the world because we were in New York, which, you know, at the time I didn't know anything else. It was like the center of the universe. Coming to Hawaii, where it's literally the most remote piece of land on the planet. And everything's got to come across an ocean to get here. Like the environmental impact, I mean, you have to think about it. 
And then you you think about honestly just the flavor and the quality. It's like Costco here is king. Like people, <laughs> it it's so crowded. It's so like daunting to go into Costco. And yes, you can get your produce for super cheap. But then once you get it home, it breaks down within days because it's already been sitting in a warehouse somewhere on the mainland for, for weeks. And then it gets on the slow boat, takes the slow boat here, sits on a, you know, on the Costco warehouse, gets onto the floor. So it's like, you're literally getting stuff that's like weeks, if not months old versus going to the farmer's market and getting stuff that was harvested this week. So wow, you can taste, you can taste the difference, you know? Yeah. I mean, when you put it in those terms and, and you really think about, I mean, it, obviously that happens on the mainland as well, but even even more so when it has to sit on a boat to to get yeah. where it's going, I think obviously the, anything fresh is going to be the best tasting option you can get. What are some of the local ingredients to Hawaii that, that you love using that you really can't get anywhere else? We use a lot of breadfruit. So like the canoe crops, like ulu, kalo, uala, sweet potato. So I heavily lean on those ingredients in my restaurant. The tropical fruit here. So it's like I do a fruit plate that I think is very unique. It's not, you really can't get a fruit plate like anywhere in the state where, you know, I go to the farmer's market twice a week and I find as much local fruit as possible. And then it ends up on this fruit plate. Mm. And sometimes, I mean, minimum, there are 12 fruits. Sometimes I've had as much as like 30 fruits on the plate. Wow. <laughs> and it's literally like a bite of this, a bite of this. And and the, the purpose is if you're local and you live here, there's probably something on there you haven't tasted or maybe mm-hmm. you only tasted once. If you're not from here, I bet you there's a bunch of stuff on there that you've never tasted before. And so it's about that moment of discovery. It's really about that moment where you are like looking at something that you've never had before. And you're like, I'm going to try this new food. Even if it's like a Cuban red banana, which is a little starchier and creamier, but it's got this beautiful sort of like peach colored flesh, right? And, you know, I remember the first time I like, got one on the side of the road. I was driving to Hana and I was like a Cuban red banana. What is that? And I was so <laughs> excited because I had only been eating, you know, like one or two types of bananas all my life. Right? So, but, you know, and, and I love that. I love, I think that's my favorite part about living in Hawaii is that every year I discover some sort of new ingredient or flavor or something that is actually edible. And to be able to work that into my, into my cuisine, into my food and, and to, to share that with my customers and my crew is, I think that's the point, you know? And so for the fruit plate, something as simple as fruit, that's what I'm aiming for. I just want to blow people's minds and, <laughs> and provide them with that moment where they like, they had it here. Yeah. And it's memorable because they had it here. Sure. I mean, and you're, like you said, you're, you're providing this unique experience for the guests, you know, trying something new. Yeah. It's not this like cliche version where you're getting like a Dole Whip or like some stuff all coated (laughs) in sugar. It's interesting because it's like the fruit plate is, the fruit plate is $16, right? And Mm. people are like, oh, that's really expensive. I'm like, there's like, sometimes there's like two dozen different types of fruit on there. I'm like, I'm I'm like, no one's making money on the fruit plate. Trust me. (laughs) Some of the fruit, like the lychees right now are $12 a pound. Wow. So it's like, like putting a whole lychee on a plate, that's like 50 cents, you know? So it's like, 
So there's, there's just, you know, an effort to give the experience. Like I want people to understand, you know, the, the value. And I think that's like an open conversation I'm having now because inflation is everywhere. And I think people, you know, after COVID, we get a lot of people who come in and complain they're, you know, everything's so expensive. And I'm like, well, you're not really just paying for food, you know, and that's, that's the, that's the overall message is that, you know, this restaurant that you're dining in with this beautiful oceanfront view and the servers who are serving you and the people who are cleaning up after you and doing your dishes, like your avocado toast pays for all of this. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) For their living wage, for their health insurance, you know, for like all of it. And, you know, perceptively speaking, I'm like, to be blunt, I'm like, you, you know, as customers, you're, you're literally renting a chair from me in which Mm -hmm. to feed yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. You're renting my space because that's really what it is, is that perceptively a customer only sees the food and the plate and what, like what's on the plate. And they even look past things like packaging, you know, and I'm like, everything costs money. Everything in Hawaii costs money because it costs money to get here, right? So things like paper goods are really, really expensive because they have it's shipping weight. And so it all mm-hmm. gets on a boat, it all comes here. You know, when we were as restaurants, I think after COVID, almost every restaurant in the country was forced to purchase an incredible amount of PPE. You know, it became another expense onto our our bottom line that hasn't gone away really. And so it's been um Beyond the fact that those items were, you know, I think a box of gloves, a case of gloves used to cost $40 and now it's closer to $120 wow. for a case of gloves. So it's, and at one point it went up to $200, like oh during peak COVID, it was crazy. So we've just been dealing with the same prices, the same disruptions in the supply chain. And so, you know, what I tell people, I'm like, you know, don't get mad at restaurants, like get mad at maybe the gas companies, like the <laughs> gasoline companies, but don't get mad at restaurants. Cause like, no one is like taking it to the bank right now. That's yeah. like truly it beyond the fact that there's such an extreme shortage of labor, not just in the U S but worldwide, which I found out in Japan. Really? We have had to basically throw money at it. That's really it. Mm-hmm. That's all you can do is that, you know, if, if, we need to pay more to be able to, to keep and attract our employees. And then within that, we have to raise the prices on our food because that's that's the math problem, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Inflation's everywhere. And, um, yeah. You're like, I didn't think there'd be math involved when I got into this business, right? No, but I mean, I think when you go out, you know, we're so used to, we're so used to convenience and I think cheap experiences where we always think like bigger is better. And I think that's not, you know, we have to look at the quality of our experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's really it and, and understanding truly where your money's going as a consumer. So these are, you know, there's so much sort of, I guess, social involvement in, in the choices that we make and how we spend our money these days, you know. And so I think that applies to restaurants as well. And just, you know, we customers should know that like it's their money that basically keeps a restaurant going. You know, it pays for it. all their money supports everything. I think people are always under the misconception that, you know, 
owners are like somewhere laughing it up on a yacht and that's just like <laughs> not true. I mean, maybe some owners, but like, you know, for the most, for the average small business, owner operators are on the ground daily working and, and, you know, sometimes working the line. But I think what makes a lot of small business so unique and so special and, you know, we're, it's, we're on this like great precipice where, you know, the, a lot of restaurants never recovered from the pandemic. And I think more are still on the edge of, you know, losing everything just because it's been so hard with money and labor and, and recovering from the pandemic. So it's customers are the lifeline and they just need to understand that, like, again, everyone's working really, really hard to be able to still provide a thing such as full service restaurants or even quick service restaurants, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. Trust me, I, I like go to work every day. I'm like, oh gosh, all right, maybe maybe we'll do a career change tomorrow. But. <laughs> no, I mean that was actually going to be my next question. I mean, you just listed off so many reasons why somebody might get out of the business, but you yeah. clearly you clearly like have a passion for it and love it. What what keeps you coming back and and pushing to you know open other locations of your restaurants and continue expanding and 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 going forward? I mean. Ultimately, we're in the business of creating jobs, right? And sharing experiences. And I feel very fortunate to have gotten into the restaurant game, I think, a little late in the sense that I took a break and I did TV for a long time before I decided to go back into restaurants. And to see my brunch concept not only still have life in it nine years later, but to be able to go international was like really, really meaningful to me just because it's, it's rare. And it's also, you know, it's the culmination of years and years of like many people's efforts that got Mm -hmm. us there. And so, you know, again, I think it's, it's, it's shared excitement. It's shared goals. It's shared being able to bring my concept to Japan where Hawaiians can go and feel like they have a place that feels familiar. You know, mm-hmm. it's the same thing sharing. I, I remember that first week we opened, I, we had some customers in that, that were like, we've been to your Hawaii restaurant. We love it. We're so excited you're here, you know? And that was just really, it was really nice to see. So I wouldn't say legacy, but it's again you're 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 creating this like web of experiences for people, your employees, the, your your customers, and I just know Coco had you know again we started in this like really like rundown space, terrible landlords, and we did that for like eight years, and we've had couples who are like. I got engaged here for, we had our, you know, we celebrated finding out we were pregnant here. When we had our baby, this was our first meal that we came to afterwards. We've had graduations, engagements, weddings, like we've been part of people's lives. And I think that's so awesome. You know, I mean, I think that's why we do it. I've had three employees with sets of twins. We've had multiple cocoa head babies and like that's also incredible you know and so it's it's always I mean I don't even live on Oahu anymore and my crew runs a restaurant but it's it they have they give it life I think yesterday Darnell Ferguson came in with his fiance and his friends and so we hosted them and he had a really good time so 
super chef was in. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. I, I, I think, you know, it, you can tell like how much pride you have in it and clearly your, your employees do as well. And I think that's a testament to your longevity in the business and, and opening, you know, new places and plans for more. So congratulations on all of your success. It's been so great chatting with you. We have a few rapid fire questions we're going to throw your way. And then we have one final question for you. All right. Kitchen appliance you cannot live without. Oh, my Vitamix. <laughs> if we're talking about a plug-in appliance, yeah, yeah Vitamix that's, a, that's a big one. Snack you always reach for. Apples. Oh, okay. First thing you should learn to cook in order to cook well. Eggs. <laughs> that's that's a good one as well. Best advice you've ever been given. Keep it simple. <laughs> <laughs> Ingredient you would get on a soapbox for. Oh gosh, butter. <laughs> yeah, butter definitely. Butter, bacon, duck. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, our final question is not rapid fire, and we ask everybody the same question. Everybody has a different a- answer, of course, and that is what would be on the menu for your perfect food day. So we want you to take us through the day: breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert. There are no rules. You can travel, time travel, spend okay. as much money as you want. Yeah, it's so- your day. So here's, here's the thing. So I have two things. I have been suffering with long COVID for over a year and a half. Oh no. My taste buds have been like out of whack for a long time. But secondly, I also like last summer, my doctor told me I was pre-diabetic. So I had to like basically change my diet. I was like, okay. And I knew exactly what needed to happen. So I, cause I like I'm like, yeah, I guess I leaned pretty hard into pasta during the pandemic. (laughs) Didn't we all? (laughs) So yeah, no, it was, it's just, it runs in my family. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll just go cold turkey and I'll I'll cut carbs. I'll go hardcore keto. Yeah. So my perfect day of food would involve a lot of sugar and carbohydrates. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, like I said, there's no rules. So there's no pre-diabetes in this uh, this question. Yeah, so my morning brunch would start out with a beautiful soft French, uh, soft curd French omelet with a ton mm. of butter, some <laughs> salty, crispy bacon, and then probably my cornflake French toast from my restaurants. Mm. I love that. And then lots of fresh fruit because we had a bunch of fresh fruit today from the yard. And then let's see, lunch would be a beautiful sashimi lunch. Mm. I would like. Do raw fish, raw poke, fresh salads. That's like, yeah, I I eat a lot of vegetables now, but I think that was my delight in Japan was being able to have like fresh sashimi every day mm, like, yeah. at the supermarket. You could get these like gorgeous sashimi platters for like ten dollars. Wow. Like, all this costs. Okay, <laughs> and then for dinner, yeah, no, I would have a a multi meat course probably like. <laughs> Probably like tonkatsu, like pork tonkatsu, mm. followed by like seared Japanese beef or like Japanese shabu beef. Yeah. Shabu. Yeah. That's like kind of it. It's like big meal, lots of big proteins, lots of vegetables. That's like, yeah, I, yes. it would be a lot of food. I mean, I, it's so funny because I used to be able to eat like all day. Like I would go to Japan and I would literally eat all day and I was there working this time and I was like staying in hotels around Tokyo station. And because I was getting up and going to work early and coming home late after everything was closed, 
I, I was literally living off of like Family Mart and 7-Eleven for three weeks. <laughs> like, but 7-Eleven's got some good stuff in yeah. Japan, right? It, it, yeah, it's actually really good. But yeah, I was going in and getting like these tiny little salads and like little pork cutlet sandwiches. Mm. And that was like how I was like eating for for weeks and pond weeks. was just like, <laughs> living off of the 7-Eleven. <laughs> um, it was delicious. I'm sure. It was, is there dessert involved in your dream food day? Mm, yes. Okay. My dessert would be, and we have to figure out how to get Haagen-Dazs to like bring them here. So Haagen-Dazs makes this like crispy sandwich. It's like, the, it's like basically like a wafer around like Haagen-Dazs ice cream, but they've managed wow. it. Like it's a wafer that doesn't get like chewy or okay, like styrofoam. Yeah. It like stays like super crispy. Interesting. Okay. And it's, yeah, it's basically, I would take like probably 10 of those and sandwich them <laughs> with a bunch of cake and whipped cream and like eat those. But yeah, um, Haagen-Dazs crispy sandwich and then lots of creme brulee. Yeah. Right. Cause I'm, I'm a vanilla caramel girl to, to the bones. So yeah. All um, right. That, that, that's my perfect day is, is lots of protein, lots of vegetables and finish the day with a multiple sugar bomb <laughs> with ice cream and cake <laughs> well that sounds like an absolutely perfect food day and uh <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time we look forward to your episode of alex versus america oh excited to see it Once again, you can watch Leanne's Alex versus America episode this Sunday, May 21st at 8, 7 central on Food Network. Make sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a thing. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review. We love it when you do that. That's all for now. We'll catch you foodies next Friday. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.